and welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. George, for the first time in our short, but still in our, our podcast life right here with the Blue Horseshoe Pod, we can officially say this pod is a playoff pod. It's confirmed by both teams, so no one can can deny it. This, this is a playoff game, right? You have some interesting numbers on that. You want to share that with our listeners? Yes, this is to highlight why this is a playoff game. If you think me and George are overstating it, let's go to some good. And the Steelers and Colts. That's true. Both sides have called this this week a playoff game. You're right about that. But if you don't believe the players or us, how about we let the numbers and dictate why this is a playoff game? Next-gen stats. That's the NFL's stat system, I guess, for lack of a better term to use there. Um, they right now, as we sit here on Thursday, but leading up to Saturday's game, the Colts right now have a 47% chance to make the playoffs. With a win over the Steelers on Saturday, those odds jump to 65%. Pretty good. With a loss to the Steelers on Saturday, those odds plummet to 22%. That is a 43% variance based on win or loss. And right now, the 14 playoff teams, George, no team's playoff probability fluctuates more. That 43% chance based on if they win or lose, or that 43% difference, I should say, if they win or lose, no team has a bigger variance than the Colts. So this is, for the Colts, more than any other team right now currently holding a playoff spot this week in the NFL. No team's playoff odds take a bigger swing in a positive or a negative direction than the Colts based on what happens on Saturday. It's a playoff game. It's a huge, huge football game. Uh, and I think it's interesting to me, you know, when you throw out the odds, 47% right now seems higher than I would have guessed, given how tight the, the AFC is. That's actually a pretty good number the Colts are sitting on right now, but obviously we talked last week about how important it was to beat Cincinnati because you have all the tiebreakers and things uh, that, that would come into play. All of that is true again this week, but now you've only got three games left. So, I mean, not only is a team that wins this game a game ahead, they're game ahead with three to play and really a game and a half because, you know, like I keep saying about Jacksonville, they're a game ahead but it's really a game and a half because that tiebreaker isn't going anywhere. They've got it. There's nothing the Colts can do to change it. That's saying that's true of the Browns. It's true of the Bengals. If you make it true of the Steelers as well on Saturday night, it's going to be really hard. And the numbers that you just showed reflect it. It's going to be really hard to come back from that. This is a massively important game on a massively important day in downtown Indianapolis. You're right. A lot of big basketball games um, going on before and during the Colts game. So it's going to be, Indy's going to be buzzing. It is going to be buzzing um, with a lot on the line there as Arizona does come to town. So it's a lot of like loser goes home showdown, sort of, uh, sort of, you know, what we got going on Saturday, George. But you look at too, like Colts lose, right? They 22% chance of making the playoffs. Steelers lose. They just have a 14% chance of making the playoffs. I was watching Good Morning Football early on Thursday morning. And they had Steelers standout defensive lineman Cam Hayward on. And he kind of compared this game to Squid Game in terms of basically the losers eliminated. I'm like, oh, it's a big fan of the show. I think that's spot on. We're talking about 22% and 14% respectively for each team. You're basically cooked even with still three games to go. This is one of those like you win, move on, and truly like a playoff game, you lose. You're all but eliminated, George. I know you're a survivor guy, so it's kind of a Travis spoken game too. That's right. Snuff the torch. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's all or nothing. 
And I think it's good that both teams recognize that. Sometimes you see them both kind of downplay it. You know, oh, it's just another game. It, it's just we what is it, 16, 15, whatever we're at. Uh, they're not – neither side is, is doing that right now. And I think a lot of that comes from – these are two pretty desperate football teams. I mean, the Steelers had two losses uh, in their last two times out that, that were pretty much unthinkable. They lost to two and ten teams in back-to-back weeks. And I think I saw something where no team in playoff position had ever done that in, in NFL history. Uh, of course, Steelers keep breaking all the rules all year. I mean, they've had the, the worst point differential for a team that was, what, three games over 500 and all the different things that, that, that they've done. Uh, they are absolutely desperate because of that. And the Colts are coming off, I would say, if not their worst performance of the year, it, it's their worst performance outside of Jacksonville, uh, which is, you know, kind of the, the one that's on the schedule to be a terrible performance. So they have not. We talked about it on the post-game pod. We talked about it again earlier this week. There was no area of that game that that came out well. You know, nobody walked away from that game thinking, it did my job. And you've got to erase that taste. And they were in the locker room on Sunday saying, hey, it's a short week, and we're kind of glad it's a short week because we can get back out there and put this behind us. And now, you know, on Saturday, you're going to have that opportunity. And I think, George, I think one of the keys to look at this game is why the first quarter specifically and getting off to a good start is paramount for both teams. Because like you said, you look at both teams coming in, both got their tail beat in. For the Steelers, it's the last two games. The Colts obviously coming off one of their worst games of the season in Cincinnati. So both teams are coming in beaten down. The Steelers have, I mean, like you just mentioned, losing to two two two-win teams at home in the span of like 100 hours. We've never seen it from a playoff team before. You have legend Big Ben basically saying the Steeler way is gone, which is kind of jarring to hear, especially when you hear him, you know, being not that far removed from this team. He still has a lot of friends on that team. So he's calling out the team. That scares me because I feel like this is where Mike Tomlin's at his best in terms of when everything is caving in. He usually finds a way to get his team uh, focused and ready to play. And so when you have the level of desperation for both teams, we're here, right? We have four games left. This is a playoff game for both teams. You have the Steelers coming in embarrassed nationally after losing to the Patriots at home on Thursday night football. Colts have their tail beat in last Sunday. And also you look at how both teams play, George. Both teams are built to play from ahead, right? Both teams are built to play with a lead where they are not, you know, Gardner Minshew is not built to throw the ball 45 times a game and lead you in a comeback. Neither is Mitch Trubisky. So, like, you look, I think one of the biggest keys of this game, George, is through the first quarter. Who can come out and get a 10-0 lead? Who can come out and get a lead early and then control the pace of the game the rest of the way? The first quarter is not going to dictate who wins, who loses, because obviously you still have a long way to go. But honestly, this is, I don't think it's hyperbole to say, George, this is the most important first quarter for both the Colts and the Steelers the entire season. Yeah, I mean, as you said, neither team's really built to, to come from behind. Neither team really has... Uh, an explosive offense or, you know, any of, of the things that, that you really rely on uh, to come back in games. Now they've both done it at times this year, but they're not equipped to it. They're not, uh, you know, there are certain teams where you never feel like any lead is safe against them. I don't know that that's going to be the case, you know, out here and the Colts have done it actually quite a bit. I mean, even in Cincinnati, you're down 14, nothing. You flip the script real quick with that defensive turnover. You tie the game. Looking good going into halftime. Then they came out in the second half and, and uh, squandered all of that. Uh, but the week before in Tennessee, you're down double digits and you come back and you win the game. Uh, and you're down, you know, in, in the third quarter and, and you're able to 
bite and scratch and claw and, and you know, get that game to overtime and win it. Uh, but Titans had a lot to do with that. I mean, let's let's be honest. They they gave the Colts chance after chance in that game. Uh, and the Colts squandered a lot of them. It probably doesn't go to overtime if they cash in some of those opportunities. You're not going to be able to do that on Saturday. It's, it's Steelers, you know, leave something there for the taking and you don't take it. Uh, it's almost certainly going to come back to haunt you. And I think same thing on Pittsburgh's side. You know, if the Colts give them a turnover and give them a short field and they come away with no points, it's going to be one of those games where, you know, whoever cashes in, there's going to be a couple big mistakes made probably, and whoever cashes in on those mistakes uh, will probably walk away with a victory and a much bigger leg up in the playoff chase. Without a doubt. I think those two words, cashing in, George, I think are another massive key in this game. Right? It's always It's always a key going to every game. Red zone efficiency, right? How good is your red zone offense in terms of scoring touchdowns? How good is your red zone defense in terms of preventing touchdowns? But this red zone like area, I think it is more important this game than ever because you look at both teams coming in. The Steelers obviously offensively are not very good. And when they get in the red zone, they are 31st in the league in terms of red zone touchdown efficiency. So they're not scoring a lot of touchdowns when they do get in the red zone. They settle for a lot of field goals. And you look on the other side, their defense, though, is one of the best in the league at stopping you from scoring touchdowns once you get in the red zone. They are eighth in terms of red zone defense. So in a game that I'm sure we both think is going to be lower scoring, I think both teams are going to get opportunities to get in the red zone. And the question is, George, who is going to capitalize? Who's going to go two out of three in their red zone efficiency here? And honestly, I mean, look, we just talked about the Steelers are the second worst red zone offense in the league. So it's not like you have a lot of faith in them. But the last three games, George, the Colts have been one of the worst. They're at 39% in terms of red zone efficiency the last three games. And we saw it. It didn't bite them in Tennessee, but they were one of five in the red zone two games ago against the Titans, including a red zone turnover. And then last week, uh, I think it was one of three, I believe, off the top of my head. But you also had another red zone turnover and Gardner Mitchell having a fumble um, or interception. I forget the exact ruling. Either way, whatever it is. Two games in a row, you had a red zone turnover, George. That happens again for a third game in a row. It's going to be very hard to win this game. But that's just, you look at the red zone on both sides here. Who can stop these bad offenses from scoring touchdowns? And who can maybe force a turnover to that really changes the game? There's no question. It may be a defensive touchdown that that changes this game. We've seen both teams get in the end zone from their defense. Uh, That could be what turns this around. You know, I I think it's going to be... A really slim margin either way. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to come down, you know, as every Colts game seems to, to the, the final minutes. Uh, and I think one of these teams, it's definitely, you know, we, we talk all the time about in the NFL more games are lost than won. I think this is going to be a game that's lost. Somebody is going to be regretting the turnover they made, uh, the, the the opportunity didn't cash in, a missed kick, something like that, I think, is going to be what determines this football game. And it has to be the Colts playing cleaner football because, again, we talk about, again, not just score touchdowns in the red zone, but look at both quarterbacks. I mean, Gardner Minshew right, has had a propensity to put the ball in harm's way, and now we've seen, again, with red zone turnovers the last two weeks, it's been, in one game, detrimental to winning. On the other side, Mitch Trubisky, I mean, George, you watched that game on Thursday night. I mean, he was, I felt like he was almost playing for the Steelers, uh, playing for the Patriots. He's putting the ball in harm's way, threw an interception, had another interception call, taken off the board, um, had another dropped interception. Like, he tried his best to, to really give that Patriots defense all the uh, all the uh, turnovers they can handle. But it's like, 
you look at this, like, it's also not just getting turnovers. I think it's kind of what you mentioned before. Like, it's where and how you get them. Whether it's taking it and running it back for a score or even just forcing one in the red zone. Like, if you look at both defenses, I think the Steelers have more of a reputation for forcing turnovers. But you look at this season, they the Colts defense and the Steelers defense, same amount of turnovers forced on uh, defensively. So, like, 21 takeaways each. So the Steelers are not taking the ball away at an alarming rate that the Colts aren't. The difference, though, is the Colts are turning it over at an equal rate at they're taking it away. The Colts are just plus one in turnover differential. The Steelers are plus 10. So obviously the defenses both can get a lot of uh, interceptions and fumbles and make plays. The, right now, the biggest key is the Colts have been giving it away almost equally in terms of getting it back. And the Steelers, I mean, despite not moving the ball on offense very much and not being explosive, the one thing they do do well is not giving other defenses chances to get short fields and make game-changing plays by not giving the ball away. And, that, and that's critical. I mean, that's why they're able to win uh, with the offense struggling the way it has. Because if you don't turn the ball over and your defense plays well, you're still in the game. And you never know how these games are going to end. We see that every week in the NFL. If it's close at the end, you never know what, what might happen. You never know when two flags will come flying out and, and bail you out. You never know when your receiver is going to line up 20 yards offsides. You don't know what's going to change a game in the NFL from week to week. Uh, but if you can give yourself a chance, you know, more often than not, you're probably going to come out on top. That's how the Steelers got to seven and four. The last two weeks, they haven't done it as well. Can the Colts get that back out of them again? That's a huge question, I think, on Sunday. Can they get the Steelers to play the way they did against Arizona and New England? Or are you going to see the Steelers from the first 11 weeks of the year where they overcame a lot of their deficiencies and they were able to win games that probably I think a lot of teams were running. I know once, at least one game, the defense outscored the other team for Pittsburgh. You know, it's – and the Colts did that in Carolina, you know, where they outscored the Panthers uh, on defense. So it, it's going to be – I, I think it's going to be the team that makes the biggest mistake. But I think along with that, turnovers are what we think of most of the time in mistakes and with good reason because the team turns it over. We, we look at that. It's probably the most predictive stat in the NFL. You know, we win the turnover battle, you win the game. Penalties were a major issue for Indianapolis and Cincinnati as well. And I think that's something that they haven't had a major problem with over the years, uh, over this season. But the last two weeks for the Tennessee, it was not a great day. From a penalty standpoint, wasn't as bad as it was in Cincinnati. They've got to clean that up because this is another one of those games where it, the problem with the penalties in, in, in Cincinnati, they were dry killing flags. You know, one of them wiped out a touchdown. Uh, a couple of them put them in, in really bad situations on either second or third down. This is a kind of game where those penalties could be the entire reason you lose the game because you were driving and you had a chance to put points on the board, and I think points are going to be critical, as we just talked about, and you take yourself out of the game with silly penalties, especially on the offensive line, that cannot happen, and it's going to be tough not to do. Because when you have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith coming at you on the other side, tendency is going to be to grab and trip, and all the things you saw happen in Cincinnati, they've got to avoid that. You cannot have... Negative plays in general. And this is one thing Quentin Nelson said this mm-hmm. week. You know, the, the runs that get stopped in the backfield, sacks, the penalties, I think, are just – they're such self-inflicted wounds. Uh, the Colts have got to avoid that at all costs. No, you're right. It's just like it's not being yourself. Like, that's what they've done now, especially the last week in, in Cincinnati. You can't be yourself if you want a chance to beat a playoff uh, team 
of the Steelers, who, by the way, George, like the sky is falling, but they are also a team that, for the most part, under Mike Tomlin, does not beat themselves and usually takes advantage. When you do make mistakes, they usually take advantage and do beat you there. But you look at also, to this matchup, the Steelers' defense gets a lot of takeaways, right, turnovers, but it's also not like they've been the steel curtain, if you will, where they are, between the 20s at least, very bend but don't break. This is going to be a, a, an opportunity for the Colts to still make some hay here and still at least move the ball between the 20s. Man, I think the Colts have got to run the ball well this week. I mean, we I feel like we say that pretty much every week recently, especially during this stretch here where the Colts have not been able to run the ball. Uh, but this is one of those situations where you've you got those pass rushers coming off the edge. You don't want Gardner and Minshew dropping back 40 times. I, I don't think that's something that's going to end well for the Colts on Saturday uh, because they are so dangerous, you know, when they know what you're going to do. Um, every team in the NFL, if you go one-dimensional, as we've been talking about all season long, it, it aids the defense. But this Pittsburgh defense in particular, all of a sudden Minka Fitzpatrick is a much bigger problem back there. All of a sudden T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith are even more problematic than they normally are. You've got to run the ball. You've got to at least have that threat of it. It opens up the play action. It opens up the RPO game. Uh, they have got to run the ball well, and it's there statistically. The opportunity is there. It was last week, though, too, and they couldn't move the ball at all on the ground. So I think maybe with my last two points here, what's coming together is the offensive line might be the key to this game for Indianapolis. Can you open up holes in that running game? Can you protect Gardner Minshew enough to where it's not a game-breaking type of situation? And can you avoid the penalties that, that we saw last week in Cincinnati? Especially, too, when it looks like T.J. Watt is going to play. We'll get the latest from Mike DeFabo here in a second in terms of covering doing, doing a great job covering the Seals for the Athletic. But it seems like, George, T.J. Watt is on track to play Saturday, which, again, you just talk about his presence alone. It's going to take three guys on the offensive line to block him. Oh, absolutely. And you've got to make sure that the, you're on top. You, you talked about earlier, you know, don't beat yourself. That goes to, to assignment football, too. you got to make sure everybody's on the same page. This cannot be one of those games where T.J. Watt's a free rusher because Zach Moss thought he was going one way or the tight end thought, you know, that, that the assignment was different. Everybody is absolutely got to be on the same page here. It's hard enough when you are to slow down this this Steelers pass rush. Uh, but there, there can be no mental mistakes on, on Saturday night and really no negative plays. I mean, I, I think that's going to be both teams. That's probably the biggest, biggest key here. The more sacks you give up, the more losses in the backfield, the more penalties you take, and obviously turnovers, uh, that's probably going to swing this game. I don't see either team overcoming that with, with the way the offenses have played recently on both sides. Yeah, with the margin of error being very thin for both offenses, you're right. The cleaner team is probably going to win the game. We'll talk to Mike DeFabo next of the Athletic, get a kind of Steelers perspective here, get a state of the union, if you will. Right now, this team in disarray as they do head to Lucas All Stadium on Saturday. We'll talk to Mike next. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. George Bremer, Ryan Hickey with you right here as we get set for Colts Steelers on Saturday. Let's go behind enemy lines and welcome in tremendous Steelers beat writer for The Athletic, Mike DeFabo, uh, DeFabo, excuse me. Mike, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes here. How are you? I'm great. This is like a reunion because George and I used to work together back in Indiana. George was my boss, so... He, I think he still has that authority. If I, I'm a little too long-winded or something like that, he can cut me off. Well, you're a friend of the pod now, so doesn't like that cancel out after last year? Well, I don't know. I'll always have respect for George and, and everything he did for me. So, I appreciate it. You are always way beyond me, so 
you know, I, it's it's nice for me to to pretend I had anything to do with this rise, though. That 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 part's fun. Um, but right now on Saturday, and I keep saying Sunday, so I'm sure at some point in this pod, I'm going to say Sunday, probably multiple times. On Saturday, a huge game in downtown Indianapolis. We're not talking about Purdue, Arizona. The Colts and the Steelers. We got two backup quarterbacks. We got playoff implications dripping everywhere. What I want to ask you first, though, Mike, because I saw a tweet, I think it was over the weekend. Is there drama going on on the sideline there in Pittsburgh? Is this a real thing? Is there a rift or or is it just emotions on game day? Well, I think that what's going on with the Steelers right now is their offense is so bad that not only do they perform poorly on the field, but there is some dysfunction within the locker room. And there have been a couple of incidents that have popped up. Um, you know, earlier in the season, George Pickens was not happy that he only got targeted twice during the game, ended up leaving the game very quickly. He scrubbed his social media of all Steelers references. He posted free me on his social media account. And then when we asked him about it, he said that it had nothing to do with the Steelers and kind of like gaslit everybody and said, oh, no, that had nothing to do with football. Um, So he's recently had some more kind of sideline outbursts when things don't go well. And for the first time this week, Mike Tomlin publicly admitted, he said, it, it is a, we asked, is it a problem? And he said, well, it is because it's not solution oriented. So Mike Tomlin kind of has a longer leash with these types of, you know, behaviors. And I'm not sure that this is incredibly out of line either for a wide receiver. Wide receivers can be diva-like. So, so that's just one of the things going on. Also earlier this year, Deontay Johnson looked at a fumble and, and didn't recover it. And then last week, Najee Harris was asked about Mitch Trubisky's leadership. And the best he could come up with was he said, it's fine, I guess. And kind of like talked about his quarterback the way most people talk about broccoli. So this is just, I think, overall a Steelers offense that has not done well. They've they've been kind of pounding their head against the wall, trying to come up with a solution, and they haven't. And you're seeing some of those frustrations bubbling to the surface here. On that note, Mike, you also had Steelers legend Ben Roethlisberger in his podcast this week basically say, in his view, the Steeler way is gone right now watching this current team. How is the team kind of react? Like, where what is really the state of the Steelers now going into this game? Is it truly chaos and disarray? Or could this be kind of all the drama around them serve as a rallying point, if you will, to kind of get the team galvanized going forward here into what is a playoff game for both sides? Well, you know, when you're losing, everything seems much worse than what it is. And the Steelers at one point were sitting at seven and four. They had two games coming up against two win teams, the Cardinals and the Patriots. And in the span of five days, they lost to two two win teams. And, you know, this this game right here against the Colts and Gardner Minshew, a couple weeks ago, it looked like another easy victory probably that they were going to pick up, roll their way to the playoffs. Now, all of a sudden, guys are talking about it like it's a playoff game. So I think what's going on is just they've lost two tough games and they've lost them to two teams that they really should have beaten. So a lot of negativity is going on right now. There's a lot of questions about Mike Tomlin and his job security. You're getting former players coming out of the woodwork like Big Ben questioning this team. But, you know, all it takes is a win. And if you win, all of a sudden the Steelers are really in good position to make the playoffs. I'm sure a lot of this talk goes away and and they can kind of just focus on the game. But like with all of the losing and the, the way that they've lost, there are some big questions about what's going on with the Steelers and what direction they'll end up going. And 
is it even possible that a franchise that's so patient and consistent could move on from Mike Tomlin? All these things are being brought up because of the nature of the two losses. Sticking with that that Tomlin theme, they've got the extra time this week. You know, they played on Thursday night, obviously, got the extra preparation days. Uh, I imagine his record's pretty good off the bye. I haven't looked that up, but the way he's coached throughout throughout his career uh, and the, these extra days now you would think would be a benefit. Do, do you think this is uh, possibly an advantage for, for Pittsburgh going into Saturday? The the biggest advantage that these extra days provide is that it's going to let T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith come back because both of their star edge rushers got concussed in their most recent loss to the Patriots. And if it was a normal week, I'm not sure that they would either of them would play. Um, but on, let's see, Wednesday night, the news came out that T.J. Watt had been officially cleared by an independent neurologist. He's, you know, all systems go. He's definitely going to play. Alex Highsmith was a limited participant on Wednesday. Um, but the way that he's working leads me to believe that he'll be ready. So, you know, I think that these extra days are very significant because, you know, you look at the Steelers team right now, their offense has been horrible for years. Uh, it was not getting any better. It was actually getting worse, which is why they had to fire offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Then you lose the starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett, to injury. You know, there's not a lot of optimism there. And the only reason the Steelers have seven wins is because they've produced a lot of splash plays and timely plays on defense. And Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt probably produced half of those plays. You know, I just look at the game that they won against the Cleveland Browns where the defense scored more than the offense. Alex Highsmith had a pick six. TJ Watt had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. That's going to be a huge part of their formula against the Colts and against any team going forward. So the fact that they had those extra days to rest, the fact that they are going to likely both of those guys back, I think that's very significant. Sticking with the defensive side, Mike, the Steelers this year, I think you can kind of categorize their defense as bend but don't break. Like they do give up yards between the 20s, but they are one of the best red zone defenses in the league. And like you said, they are, I mean, anecdotally, I feel like there's no team in the NFL better at forcing red zone turnovers than the Steelers. I feel like every week they're getting an interception in the end zone or a red zone fumble. Why, like, for the Steelers' defense, obviously you, you named two names right there in Highsmith and Water, a big reason for it. But other than those two, what do the Steelers do defensively that once they get down, once teams get inside their own 20, it's basically like you, you, it's no fly zone. You can't go anywhere on that defense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If you look at like their yardage that they've given up, rushing yardage has been spotty. They do give up a lot of yards, and teams do move the football, but it is when they get into the red zone that they stall. Um, their formula is based on this. Basically, they say we're going to put tight press coverage, often man coverage on your receivers. And by the time those guys create a little bit of separation and you think you have a window to throw, all of a sudden there, here comes TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith barreling in. So Mike Tomlin likes to always talk about how coverage and the pass rush have to work together. And, and that's really the case when the Steelers defense is at its best. That's what they're doing really effectively. Now, the one thing that changes that dynamic is the inside linebacker core has been ravaged by injury. Um, two of their three guys from their three-man rotation are out for the season in Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander, and those were their coverage linebackers. So because of that, um, tight ends have really been hurting the Steelers recently. Teams that target the middle of the field have really been hurting the Steelers recently. So if you're the Colts, you know, I'm looking for a guy like, you know, I know they have injuries with, at tight end, but like Michael Pittman working the middle of the field, a big body type of guy. 
getting him matched up on a linebacker, I think, would be ideal for them. Um, or any other type of situation where they could get a guy matched up. So I think I think that's really kind of the cat and mouse game here is the Steelers, as I mentioned, tight coverage. They want the pass rush to get home quickly. But if you're the Colts, can you find a way to get a good matchup against one of these inexperienced linebackers? I think that's really going to be one of the big big questions going forward in this game. Flip into the offensive side, I mean, obviously the passing game is struggling in, in- – changing quarterbacks and we've seen plenty of that here in Indianapolis as well but the run game especially recently has been pretty solid I think I saw a stat last six weeks they might be number one in the NFL uh, in rushing yards Uh, is that pretty obviously the the game plan there try to run the ball control the clock and let the defense win the game I think coming into the season the Steelers would have loved that to be their identity from game one Um, last year they started the season two and six and they responded the second half of the season to rally back and have another 9-8 season. And a big reason for that was they transformed into the eighth-best rushing team the second half of the year. And you expected that success to carry over into the season, um, but surprisingly it didn't. It took like it took like about 10 weeks for the, the running game to actually get going. And some of the things that they had to do, um, they weren't good enough to just line up with two tight ends and tell you we're going to run the football, try and stop it. What happened in that case is the opponent stopped it. They just weren't good enough to do that. So um, some of what they've been doing is they were spreading the teams out, you know, lining up in in, um, formations with three wide receivers in the shotgun and running Najee out of that situation, which is not a scenario you would imagine Najee Harris, you know, big 225-pound back uh, would be running, but it was effective because you were manufacturing lighter boxes. Um, Now that they've moved to Mike Sullivan – as the play caller uh, instead of Matt Canada, it's almost been the opposite where they've actually been going to multiple tight ends, two and even three tight ends. They've been using three tight ends a lot on the field together uh, to create those extra gaps that a defense has to defend. So, you know, I definitely think that running the football is going to be a big part of the Steelers game plan. You know, not only are they missing their quarterback, the acting offensive coordinator is the running backs coach, Eddie Faulkner. So, Kind of all the the dots are there and easy to connect, thinking that this is going to be a, a big game for the Steelers running the ball. But again, they, this has been an inconsistent for them. This should have been their identity and something they can hang their hat on. But it's really been up and down and, and against teams that are committed to stopping the run. There have been times that Steelers have, have really struggled running the football. So I think it's going to be a, a big matchup considering – some of the players that the Colts got back, you know, in the run game and in their run defense. And you look too offensively, at least the last game that they played with Mitch Trubisky, at quarterback. I mean, he had a few interceptions, a few interceptions called back because of penalties or dropped as well by the Steelers. So it was, the ball was in harm's way a lot when Mitch put in the air for a lot of last Thursday's game against the Patriots. And really one of the areas that he at least succeeded in most and even in Chicago succeeded in most was the quarterback run. We've seen the Colts struggle stopping the run to the outside of their line. Is that like now when you have a little bit of a longer break, a mini buy, if you will, is that something you kind of expect the Steelers kind of roll out this week of, hey, maybe more zone reads and more. Let's get Mitch on the edge just to try to get him going and kind of get his legs going first versus trying to, you know, win the game more with his arm. I think that that's definitely going to be part of it. Um, you know, I could think back to last year, the Steelers played Taysom Hill and it was Mitch who actually acted as Taysom Hill in the scout team. So he does have a little bit of mobility to his game. Um, 
So I think that'll be part of it. I think the biggest thing for Mitch is just protecting the football. You know, as you mentioned, he had the the one interception, but it really could have been three. One was called back because of a kind of ticky-tack pass interference call. Um, and then another one was dropped. So, like, the Steelers for a big portion of this year were very conservative. And they kind of handled Kenny Pickett with kid gloves. And they didn't want to give him too much. And, and Kenny only threw four interceptions in the 12 games that he started. The best thing you could say about him is he protected the football. So for a Steelers team that the margin for error is razor thin, um, every turnover is really magnified. So I think that they definitely are going to want to cut down on some of that risk taking. So for them, I think it's going to be about the calculated risk. You know, when you get into that area in the middle of the field, maybe a second down, maybe that's when you go max, max protect and you take your shot downfield. Uh, instead of we've seen a number of instances where Mitch was trying to force things into tight windows and that was just kind of a recipe for disaster. So, and I mean, another thing to, to think about here is Mitch stepped in and even though he's an experienced guy with 55, 56 starts under his belt, he only got a, a couple, a handful of days practice before the Thursday night game. And that was all walkthrough like practices. They don't even practice in pads. So now that he has this extended period you know, how much more comfortable does he feel with a different play caller? How much more comfortable does he feel with a new offensive coordinator? Um, you know, I, that's, I think, one of the biggest questions going forward is just can he look like a quarterback that can protect the football and and not take so many risks unnecessarily? Last one for me. Ryan kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but, you know, obviously these last couple games for the Steelers, you you talked about it, disastrous losses games that you never coming in would imagine would end the way they did. Uh, but does that make them a little bit more dangerous on Saturday? Because you, you talk all the time about, you know, cornered animal uh, is maybe the most dangerous thing out there. Uh, is this a desperate Pittsburgh team that, that, that's coming to Indianapolis? Absolutely. I mean, just the, the two losses alone um, definitely have the team's attention right now. And they feel like they were embarrassing losses and, you know, they want to get that taste out of their mouth. And then additionally, they've really squandered a great opportunity. They should be sitting here right now with nine wins, thinking we're going to pick up one more win against a backup quarterback and easily be in the playoffs, uh, maybe even fight for the division, maybe even fight for a bye if we're getting crazy. Instead, right now, they're in a position where they probably need to win three of their last four games to make the playoffs. And if you lose this game, you probably lost the playoffs right here and now. And, you know, guys acknowledge that. Joey Porter Jr. in the locker room said the team's approaching this like a playoff game. Um, but I'm really curious to see what what kind of response they have. Like guys like Minka Fitzpatrick have been calling out players for their effort and saying that guys just think because they're wearing black and gold, they're going to win the game. So there have been just like numerous, numerous challenges, whether it's, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, Big Ben and former Steelers whether it's uh, guys within the same locker room, you know, whether it's Coach Tomlin, I'm sure, is is on those guys challenging them. So this is definitely a game that the Steelers, you would expect, are going to come in focused and, and ready to go. But the real question is, their offense has been so bad all year. Does this focus and determination and grit matter if your offense is just so poor? And that's what we're going to find out. How aggressive do you expect the Steelers offensively to be? Because, again, going back to the last game, you we saw offensively from the Steelers a few reverses. We had a tight end pass, fourth down and two of the game in the line to take a deep shot to Deontay Johnson. Like, they have – it seemed, at least to me, from the outside view, Mike, like 
were or at least forced try to be more aggressive in that Pittsburgh uh, in that uh, Patriots game. Do you expect that aggressive nature we saw on Thursday night to kind of carry over into Saturday? And they are going to try to make splash plays here, whether it's with trick plays or just taking more deep shots. Yeah, that, that's a good point with like the trick plays. They the Steelers have had one of the trick plays they ran was a reverse where a tight end Connor Hayward threw the football. They've had that in their playbook since training camp, and I've been waiting for them to run it because uh, we kind of joked with Kenny Pickett about it. And, you know, Mike Sullivan, he stepped in as the interim play caller, and it, he does seem willing to take more shots downfield. So I would say the answer is yes. Um, you know, the, Mike Sullivan has been the offensive court or play caller now. This will be now his fourth game. And from the very first game against the Bengals, things that we did not see under Matt Canada, such as targeting the middle of the field, pushing the ball down the field more, uh, taking more deep shots, all these things um, were there. So I think that that is part of Mike Sullivan's identity as a play caller and part of his philosophy. So I would say it will change or it will continue. Um, you know, but but again, the big thing is, can the Steelers make it a calculated risk? And can Mitch Trubisky take the shot when it's there instead of trying to force it? And I think that that's going to be a big key for him. And then to wrap up, Mike, finally, the, the Colts are favored at home. So at least Vegas expects them to win. So if there is an upset here, it's a small margin, but still it's at least Colts favorite. So in your opinion, the Steelers win on Saturday if? The Steelers win on Saturday if they run the ball effectively. Uh, I would say Jalen Warren and Najee Harris combined for more than 125 rushing yards. Mitch Trubisky throws less than one interception. And the Steelers defense produces more than one turnover. I think that's their formula. I think that they really need defensively to create the splash plays. That's probably the most important thing. They need to re- lean on the running game. And then Mitch can't keep you know putting the ball in harm's way as much as he is. I think those are the biggest keys for the Steelers this week. Awesome, Mike. George, how'd your protege do? Awesome, as always. I, I never had any doubt. I never had any doubt how this would go. <laughs> Mike, well, thank you so much for the time and uh, join us here on Behind Enemy Lines. Yeah, it was great joining you guys, and I can't wait to see you in Indy this weekend. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. A big thank you to your guy, George, Mike DeFabo, for coming on and giving us some great perspective uh, from the Steelers here as they do get set to come to Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday. How about this, too, for a little bit of, of history, possibly, here from Michael Pittman Jr., George. 95 catches on the season. You heard Mike just say that's a, you know, he thinks it's going to be one of the biggest keys for the Colts offensively to have MPJ over the middle of the field, take advantage of what has been a weakness for that Steelers defense. If we see another big day for Michael Pittman Jr., um, not only should it lead to a Colts win, but also makes a little bit of Colts history. Again, 95 catches, so needs five catches to get 100 yards, uh, 100 catches on the year. we the first Colts receiver with 100 receptions in a season since their own coach, Reggie Wayne. All the Ready for this, George? Back in 2012. That's crazy. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Last time they drafted a quarterback in the first round. Apparently, that's <laughs> what it takes. After QB in the first round, and then there's a hundred reception receiver that year. Um, no, I mean Pittman came extremely close last year, obviously with 99. Uh, but I think the big thing last year, and Reggie was writing him about this late in the season, is he was going to get to 100 catches, but not a thousand yards. By the time they get into that last game, he only needed, I think, three catches or something. Uh, but he needed some ridiculously huge uh, yardage total to get there for one game. Now it's going to easily surpass both those those totals. 
uh, in a contract year. So a really good timing for him uh, to come out and be the focal point really of this, this Colts offense. I think, uh, you know, the Apple star had a story earlier today that, that he's the most reliable player on offense. And, and it was controversial in some circles. And I don't understand why. I mean, the definition of reliability is consistency. And is there anybody more consistent right now than, than Michael Pittman Jr. with eight catches in six straight games, 10 of 13 games overall? Uh, he's the one guy you feel pretty comfortable week in and week out is, is going to deliver. Yeah, well, why this year, why is that controversial? Like You could argue going into the year maybe that was a controversial take because you thought Jonathan Taylor would, would get back to his old ways, um, even if he had to miss four games with the ankle injury. That's like I said, the stats is back up. He has been out there every game. He's been also, by the way, to his credit, improved in terms of less drops this year compared to last year. That was a problem as well, concentration at times and catching a few easy ones, uh, or, or I should say dropping a few easy ones. Um, I, I'm with the star 100%. It sounds like with you as well. Like he has been the most reliable player for this Colts offense this year, without a doubt. And another stat to back that up is the fact that you just mentioned it. He has eight catches in six straight games. He has another eight-catch performance against the Steelers here that would obviously bump into seven straight games. He would become, George, just the sixth player in NFL history to ever record at least eight catches in seven straight games. That's like that's truly historical. That's impressive as hell. And just another notch in terms of why he is one of the most reliable players in the league. And it sounds like on top of all that, the game plan should be to get him the ball, get him matched up on some linebackers, get him the ball over the middle and, and work that part of the field. I think maybe the stealth guy here uh, that, that Mike didn't mention, uh, and I don't know why he would, because I don't know that even many Colts fans would bring it up, but Will Mallory might be a big deal here. You've seen him start to pick up his production. Uh, if tight ends are, are are a problem area for Pittsburgh, as it appears it is, maybe Will Mallory is is your like stealth X factor on, on Saturday night. I like that because especially too, like I said, with a banged up linebacking core and even the safeties being banged up, make a Fitzpatrick returning, but he's been someone who's been in and out of the lineup as well. Like that should be a mismatch for all the tight ends, but especially Mallory, who's been more um, featured these last few weeks here. I, I like that a lot, George. That feels like you're right. We talk about Josh Downs a lot and he's important. We talk about Alec Pierce's deep threat and he's important. But right, this does feel like if the Colts offensively are going to get close to three yards receiving, it could be a big tight end day in terms of really exploiting that biggest weakness here for the Steelers in terms of how they cover linebackers and really kind of putting their team in a position to succeed. Um, I think we could safely say, George, we've talked about the running game is a big key a lot recently. Um, I, I'm going to give up at least right now on the run game, setting the tone early until at least we see it. No, absolutely. I, I think that uh, it's hard to, to count on it, right? I mean, for the last five weeks, they haven't gotten 100 yards. Of course, the one time they did was was the game you would most think they wouldn't against Tampa Bay, uh, but that's it's been that kind of a season. I mean, you think the Cleveland game is going to be low scoring? It's a shootout. It, you you have no idea. That's that's what we've learned with this team. All I know for sure about this football team is they will compete. They will play hard for Shane Steichen. They will fight even against Cincinnati, as we mentioned uh, earlier. As bad as that game was, they fought back. They got to tie the game, and then they just couldn't get anything going in, in the second half. But I've not seen them come out and just not compete all year long. So I expect them to come out and fight, and especially in this game. Uh, they also should get Juju Brents back. I don't think that's official as of the time that we're recording this, but it could be later today. Um, talked with him in the locker room on Wednesday. I know my whole week's messed up because I game's on Saturday. Uh, but he sounded like he's confident in, in believing that, that he's going to get back out there. 
Uh, and that could be big, you know, with, with Steelers receiving core uh, to get Jalen Jones and, and Juju Brents out there together, really, for the, for the first time. And I know we have nothing official yet. And as recorded this Thursday morning, again, it's really like a Friday with the game being on Saturday. It feels all but official, George. Braden Smith, Jonathan Taylor are not going to be on the field, right? Almost certainly. I mean, I, I would be shocked with either one of them. Uh, you know, neither one of them has practiced yet this week as, as we're recording. And, uh, yeah, they probably won't be there. And, again, this is a game where Jonathan Taylor would uh, definitely be one of those guys to target over the middle, get the ball out of the backfield. Uh, not going to be there. We'll see if they can do some of that maybe with, with Trey Sermon or uh, Goodson from, from Iowa. Uh, you know, yeah. try to get them into the game and, and, and get some of that underneath. I, I think those underneath passes – are going to be a critical element if they're going to move the ball and then get in the red zone and I don't know, pull out that, that, that play action that they've run twice now with, with Zaire Franklin uh, that has led to Mo Ali Cox touchdowns, I guess. That would be great. That'd be tremendous. We can get a little touchdown uh, for Zaire. The, 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 the roof is going to explode. That's, that's for sure. He was right. fast to the flat. He said he was fast to the flat. That's what he was telling Shane when they were putting this play in. He was fast to the flat. The, steel, the the Bengals reacted well, but but Franklin's speed out there was, was pretty good. He should get a hockey assist for that, for that touchdown because you're right. He was fast to the flat, but the Bengals had it stuffed out. But I think that gave Mo Ali Cox a little bit of a, like I said, a mismatch that allowed him to go basically VCU style jump ball touchdown. But that, that Bengals defense all over Zaire. No, not letting him get it, but that opened up a good matchup. So give him a hockey assist, you know, a little, little plus one on the score sheet. A box out there from from Mo Alley in the in the end zone. Go up and get that rebound. It was a big play for him. It was. It was big pick though for us, George, because we both, for the first time in a month, have suffered an L. We gotta get off the schneid here. You are still sitting pretty at eight and five in terms of your season pick so far. I'm unfortunately at seven and six. Both looking to bounce back after our first loss in four, or really five games. We've been riding this four game winning streak with the Colts. We've been right every time. Thought they're going to win Cincinnati. Wrong. Time to bounce back, George. Colts are one and a half point favorites at home. Steelers coming to down, uh, town Saturday. The official George Bremer playoff game pick for the Colts is what? Can we wait and see what the Sharps do? I mean, that, that was a pretty big swing there uh, for Cincinnati late. Uh, yeah. like I think on game day, even it, it was still going that way. Um, no, seriously, I, I think it's going to be, we, we've been talking about it, you know, throughout the, the pod, uh, it's going to be a really tight game. I think it's going to be extremely close. It's going to be one of those games where every mistake is going to be magnified. Every big play is going to be magnified. You know, it's, just, it's a playoff game. I mean, in short, it's a playoff game. Uh, I think the Colts are of the right mindset right now. And I wonder, I go back to the New Orleans game where the Colts had a chance to, to kind of break a team spirit and then they didn't do it. Uh, Tampa Bay, they did, although the Bucks have since recovered. Um, I kind of look at that again here. And, you know, we talked last week about it being sort of a final exam that, that everything they had done uh, throughout the year was leading up to this Bengals game and they failed it miserably. Uh, it was an awful, awful, awful performance. I don't think anyone in that locker room will disagree. I think all of that added up is going to lead to them having a better showing on, on Saturday night. Uh, and I think the Colts win. I think it's going to be extremely nerve wracking. I, I think it's going to be one of those games where no one's going to be comfortable on the couch uh, throughout the entire contest. I'm going to go 13 to 10. 
Colts Oof. over the Steelers. Wow. Low scoring. I like it. That would have cleared the under easily last week's game, where it was a record <laughs> low for um for Steelers. Um sorry, I'm just writing this down. For Steelers Patriots, Patriots whereas I think a 30, which is like a record low for over under in that game, and they cleared it by halftime. 13-10. You are under by a, a nice comfortable margin there. I look at this game, George. I am very nervous. And the more I think about it, I, I get more and more nervous because you have the Steelers coming off of two embarrassing losses in a span of 100 hours. You have Big Ben calling out this team and the Steeler way now being, in his mind, gone. You have infighting, if you will, of players being selfish, players getting called out. You have Mitch Trubisky, not that he's any good, but now having a full week of practice and a little bit extra time on this mini buy to get comfortable and get settled into the offense. This George to me screams with a play with like the playoffs on the line. I've seen this so many times where I've counted the Steelers out under Mike Tomlin and they find a way to go on the road, especially and win a game. They have no business winning to keep their season alive. They, I think the best way to describe them in the last like five years under Mike Tomlin, they're not a great team. I wouldn't even say that they're, they're obviously a consistent playoff team. They're like a cockroach though. Anytime you think they're dead, they keep fighting and clawing back. I mean, last year they're two and six. They should have been under 500 for the first time in Tomlin's era, yet they finished 9-8 and eight and just missed out on the playoff spot. This feels like Georgia game the Steelers win. I hate to say it. I'm going to say 20-19. to 19, The Steelers beat the Colts. Very close game. Very close game. Um, but it just feels like this is a game where they have playoff experience. They are a very veteran team, especially defensively. TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith are going to be back, which scares the hell out of me. Gardner Minshew, I think, is going to have more pressure on his plate here to make plays. And I just, uh, the, with the way the Steelers get timely turnovers and how good their their red zone defense is, low scoring. I guess, maybe, I mean, I thought low scoring was 2019. You go 13 tenths. So maybe I got to say 10 9 here and really throw it back to, you know, Colts Patriots esque with how low scoring that game was. Um, this feels like, I hate to say, this feels like a Steelers win. This has everything written up to be where you think they're dead. They come back and do the Undertaker gif, and now they are kicking the coffin up. They're setting up, and they're very much alive. Steelers 2019. They win. I think this game can go either way. It could be 2-0. You never know. It could be one of those, could be. One of those games. Somebody steps out of the end zone, back of the end zone. That's the only score for either team. Uh, I do think, you know, as we talked about before, I think it's going to come down to possibly a defensive score. So, you know, maybe it's 19-13, and, and a pick six wins it for – for Pittsburgh, I, nothing would really surprise you on Saturday night. Um, all I know is I think the crowd's going to be close to 50-50 from different things that I've heard. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Steelers fans in there. Uh, and, again, it's going to be a buzz that in downtown Indy with, with everything that's going on. Top three college basketball teams in the country are in Indiana on Saturday, by the way. that That's insane. Um, and two of them are, are playing at the same time. <laughs> Just uh, across downtown there in Indy. So it's going to be insane. Half the state's probably going to be paying more attention to the basketball games. But I, it's going to be a tremendous. I know this much. Between Purdue and, and, and Pittsburgh, there'll be a lot of gold and black downtown. That's a good point. You're right. Different shades, but you're 100% right about that. A lot of, unfortunately, black and gold in downtown Indy for sure. Um it's going to be, I hope I'm wrong, George. I really do. But I, I'm afraid of what this pod is going to be like. Uh, 
on Sunday morning, which by the way, is quick scheduling note because the game is Saturday, George, I are going to record the pod on Sunday morning. So if you do, uh, for whatever reason, a staunch podcast listener refused to subscribe on YouTube, I got good news for you. You will be able to get and listen to George and I's breakdown of this massive playoff game here between the Colts and Steelers in podcast form, in audio form, wherever you do get your podcasts, Blue Horseshoe Pod, but also will be uploaded to YouTube as well, Blue Horseshoe Pod. So check that out Sunday morning. Hopefully it's a celebration, not a post-mortem, but uh, either way, we'll give you our thoughts on what is Definitely, without a doubt, George, a playoff game is going to be an intense game. It's going to, at least, I don't think it's going to go well. But at least bare minimum, you're going to have a playoff-like intensity in Lucas Oil Stadium for the first time in a decade. I'll leave it with this. Reportedly, the Colts fired Bill Belichick. I mean, that, that's that's what's coming out of, of New England, right? That the, the decision was made. Could they also be involved in in the end of Mike Tomlin's run in, in Pittsburgh? Good in the point. Same season? Good point. And they somewhat got Frank Reich fired a little bit. Yeah, man, it didn't hurt that that for sure. I'm sure that they, you know, they they worked out. Is this? I mean, if it happens, is Shane Steichen like the coach killer? I mean, Got to get some guy thinking about that, right? He's the real life Grim Reaper meme where it's like you have like the, the two doors that are empty, like with the blood on the ground. And then there's like Shane. So it's like it has to be Mike, uh, Bill Belichick, Frank Reich. And now he's knocking on Mike Tomlin's door right now. Let's yeah. go, George. I like that. That's a good point by you. The, the Colts have been known to put their foot on the throat of a coach right now flailing. He's just got two of the longest tenure guys in the NFL. Maybe the two longest tenure guys in the NFL. It's kind of an interesting Interesting dichotomy there. And, and not, you know, I, I don't even know if Pittsburgh should move on from Mike Tomlin, but uh, you, conversation is going to be had if the Colts win on Saturday night. Absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of Steelers fans are calling for it, and it's only going to get louder if they do lose to the Colts on Saturday, which, by the way, George, I did sing 1950s throwbacks, right? They're going to be wearing. Love that. 1950s throwbacks. What a game to do that to. It's a throwback matchup, it's a throwback game. Uh, I think it's going to be a throwback score. That's why I'm going 13 10. It's going to be a 1950 score. You know, go throwback rules. Throw out all those, the, you know, who cares about all the safety concerns? Let's throwback rules here, too. Roughing the passer. What is that, George? <laughs> Blocking the back. I never heard of it. Uh, unnecessary roughness. Those two words were never put in the same sentence back in 1950. Um, I, I like that. I like that a lot. It's going to be an old school, low scoring, defensive minded matchup here. And we'll be back to talk about it, break down it all on Sunday morning. Again, Blue Horseshoe Podcast on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Pod, wherever you do get your podcasts. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you Sunday morning right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.